This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient Faith for Today's World, November 14th, 2021, Psalm 11. Someone shared a video with me last week that was regarding a, a pastor in Australia who's facing a lot of troubles. And so he, he put out a video with a title, I Never Thought I'd Say This. Kind of a catchy title. And he went on in the video to explain all the challenges that were up against Christians and churches like his in Australia. There were many regulations and protocols with hefty fines placed on them and a reporting system for all who were deviant so that the government could find out who had strayed. And I'm not just talking about regulations for masks and vaccines. They were required to report their location and were to be tracked. And he was quite concerned, and you would have to argue rightly so. And so he made a plan that he would have to establish a second base of ministry, not in Australia, but in the United States, just so he could continue to do ministry. Hence the title of the video, I never thought I'd say this. And I don't know much about his teaching and his ministry, and I, I don't know that much about his reasons for finding a chance to relocate and continue. But I do know there are times when God's church has to do that, and they have to flee because of pressures and those who oppose them all around them. And I certainly can identify, I'm sure you can too, with the pressures that are faced by Christians, by those who want to silence them as the Christian begins to feel surrounded by those who are against them. Quite a catchy title, right? I never thought I'd say that or have to say this. How long until perhaps there are more Christians echoing that, even in the place where he fled, that more and more Christians will be saying, I've never thought I'd say this, as it feels like the foundations of the world are crumbling and the world is turning against me. Where will we flee when there is no safer place to flee? Well, this morning we see a response from David regarding the Christian who feels like there's nowhere to turn and the world is turned against him. We see that as we look at Psalm 11. Here, David shows us the appropriate response when it feels like the world is crumbling around you and the enemies surround. David is someone who, of course, knew what it was like to be pursued and surrounded by enemies. When he was young, David was chased by King Saul, so that David had to flee the house that he was living in, which had been surrounded by Saul's men, who were bent on killing him. So David fled to the mountains just, just to live another day. And even when David was older and he was serving as king, he once again had to flee for his life. David left the city of Jerusalem as the rebellion started by his son, his own son, Absalom, came after David seeking to take the throne and take David away and take David's life. And so once again, even as an old man, David fled to the mountains, surrounded by enemies. David was no stranger to facing those pressures. And that's why what we see in Psalm 11 is David's companions are, are saying to him, Flee to your mountain like a bird. Look, the wicked bend their bow. They set their arrow against the string to shoot in the darkness at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being torn down, what can the righteous do? 
the suggestion that David is hearing from all his companions is, you have to flee. What can you do when it seems like the whole world is crumbling and the enemy is going to shoot you? So, the Christian church has done that, right? And actually, we see far too many times the people of God have resorted to despair, defeat, and flight in the face of pressures. Consider what happened when the Israelites were brought out from Egypt. Though they knew the power of their God, it didn't take long before they began to fear death at the hands of the chariots and army of Pharaoh. What about the God who had rescued them? And when the the people, the very same people later on, entered into the promised land, they cried out in defeat, it will be impossible for us to overcome these fortified cities and to take possession of this land. And defeat sunk in. And the very same people, when they had their first king, years later, the people of Israel, they cowered in fear at the threats of a man like the warrior Goliath. Nobody could resist. They cowered. And weren't the people afraid when they were brought into exile? And they were told to bow down and worship the statue of gold. And so didn't nearly all of them cave in and bow? because they were afraid. And when the people came back from exile and they were to rebuild the walls, there were threats from the enemies surrounding them, so many of them didn't take up the task to rebuild the walls because they were afraid. What can God's people do when the foundations are shaking? And finally, when the the Savior came, sure, people people like Peter were bold and would say, Christ, the cross will never happen. But when the cross approached, Peter, along with all the other disciples, fled in the darkness because a band of soldiers came to Gethsemane that night. And it's still the same today, isn't it? What what do you do? What do you turn to? How do you respond when it feels like, it says here, the foundations are being torn down? When it feels like the enemies of God are bending their bow to shoot the arrow and you're surrounded? Certainly today, maybe it's not quite as bad here as it is in other countries, but there is attack, and there will be. We read in the scriptures that there's a a spiritual battle going on. The bow is being bent against us. Paul says in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not our struggle, not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil, against the dark powers that rule this world, and the powers of evil in the heavenly realms. Yes, you you may see it taking place in the powers and authorities of this world, but behind it all is a spiritual struggle, the devil who seeks to silence God's people. And so that from the time of the people at the exile to David to the apostles, the devil wants to take the church, bend his flaming arrows, surround them with his tactics and schemes, and silence them. Maybe you've experienced this. After all, what will happen in today's society when a Christian stands up and speaks God's word boldly? They'll begin to feel in the darkness the bow is being bent against them. And many in the culture of today will find that they're surrounded on all sides by those who oppose them. If a Christian, for example, speaks up and affirms that marriage is between one man and one woman in a lifelong union, they'll have the bow bent against them. And they'll have angry arrows aimed at them. And when a Christian stands up to defend the gift of life 
as a gift from the beginning at conception even into old age. They'll have enemies surrounding them, words, arrows piercing them, and they'll be under attack. Pressures will come for Christians to be silent. How does the church respond when, it, when it's, you see this? When the, when the foundations are being torn down, what can the righteous do? When the foundations of marriage, the foundations of human life, the foundations of being able to freely proclaim the gospel are being torn down in society, what can the righteous do? They can either flee, as it says here, or they can cower and adapt in defeat, or they can suffer. If a Christian can't flee, they'll often resort to, what can we do? Let's simply adapt. If the world says it's wrong for us to say this, let's not really say it. And a Christian can change their teachings to avoid suffering. And to avoid the arrows in the darkness, they can start to become more comfortable in the darkness. A Christian ministry can adapt and no longer affirm Christ, but affirm this world. Or maybe they can try to flee if it's possible. What can we do? Well, what David responds is it almost seems like David is sick of hearing this from his companions. Flee to the mountains. What can the righteous do? David says to them, how can you say this to my soul? Flee. What can I do? In the Lord, I take refuge. David has no cause for fear, no cause for the feeling of defeat, no cause for any of this trouble because David says, I take refuge in the Lord. How can you say these things to me? And so David lists for us what it is for the one who finds refuge, who trusts in their God, even as it seems like the darkness is surrounding them and they're opposed on all sides. David says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his high throne in heaven. Yes, the forces of evil in this world might be prepared to attack you and be arming up against you. But God, he's on his throne and he's ruling over all this world. The Lord is in his holy temple. He's on his throne in heaven. Nothing's changed in regard to that. Even though the enemies gather, God is in charge and he rules over all. And it says, his eyes observe. He focuses on the children of Adam. God is not some ruler sitting on some celestial divine throne, uninterested in your life, your plight, or in what the wicked are doing. He focuses on the children of Adam. God sees. That should be a terrifying thought for all those who stand against him. It also should cause alarm for the Christian church that thinks they can adapt into the darkness. When they compromise their teachings, God sees that. God is aware when they try to blend in with the world and when Christians try to adapt instead of suffer for the sake of the name. And it should also serve as a warning, a reminder for us. God sees our hearts. He focuses on all the children of Adam. So when the, the Christian might say, look at that world with its teachings supporting homosexuality and things that are against God's word, but they themselves have impure thoughts. 
or allow something like pornography to take hold of their heart. God sees. It's hypocrisy. In the same way that giving in to defeat by fleeing can cause us to turn aside from the word or hold to the word, so can compromising or adapting with this world. And God sees. When the Christian says it's wrong to commit abortion, but won't support the single mother or won't lift a hand to help their aging elderly parent and support the gift of life, God sees. He notices. This should serve as a reminder for us as well and all that God focuses on us. And not only does he focus, it says the Lord is righteous. He examines the wicked. He really hates those who love violence. God is a God of justice. And when he sees the person who does wrong, his wrath is stirred up and he hates, it says, that person who loves violence. You love evil? Whether it's clinging to some sin, some pet sin hidden in your heart, God sees and he hates that. Or whether you're openly committing sin, God sees and he hates that. It says, verse 6, On the wicked he will rain down fiery coals and sulfur. A scorching wind will be the cup given them. God acts. Sitting on his high throne, he sees what is taking place in the hearts and in the actions of men, and he acts in justice. And with his holy wrath, he will rain down fiery coals and sulfur. You see what happened to places like in Sodom and Gomorrah were images of what will happen to all who turn towards evil and who do not perfectly follow his will. It says here regarding God's sees in Hebrews chapter 4, There is no creature hidden from him, but everything is uncovered and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we will give an account. God sees, God acts, and God judges. Now that should cause the sinner to tremble. But David says regarding the same righteous God, in the Lord I take refuge. The Lord who sees the wicked of this world is also the Lord in whom sinners like David and you and me, we, we can take refuge. David says, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to me, flee? How can you say, give in? How can you say, what can I do? I'm secure. He is the God of justice. And it says here, indeed, the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will view his face. David can say, I'll take refuge in the Lord, even as the wicked surround me and it seems like the foundations of the world are crumbling because I will see God. The believers who came out of Egypt and who cried out at Pharaoh's army should have recognized the Lord was their God. And the righteous Lord would drown all of their enemies in the sea and destroy those who oppose them. And the same ones who trembled before the, the high walls of the cities of Canaan should have recognized the Lord will cause the wicked walls of Jericho to come crumbling down. And the same people who were afraid of that man Goliath, the warrior, would see a, a young boy in the name of the Lord take him down because the battle belongs to the Lord. And when the people were in exile and they did bow down, there were three men who stood up and did not bow down. And nor did they burn as God sent his angel to protect them in the fire. And yes, 
when they came back and were afraid to build the walls, God allowed the walls of his temple to be built and protected and kept his people safe, moved the courses of history. He sits on his throne. And the disciples who ran in fear when Jesus was arrested would see their, their same Lord conquering his enemies on the cross, defeating the grave, rising to life and returning back to his glorious throne. We see what the Lord does for those who take refuge in him. Jesus did not flee. When it was said to him, turn aside from the cross, or when he had opportunity, Jesus did not turn aside, but he said, how can you say what can the righteous do? He came to do what the righteous could not, to fight our battle and defeat all of our enemies. And he crushed Satan and all of his servants by the cross. And that raining coal of fire and sulfur that should have come on our head, he took our place on the cross to set us free so that we can take refuge in him. What can the righteous do when it seems like the foundations of this world are crumbling? Sure, we could flee. We could give in to despair. Or we can say, how can you say to my soul, flee? What do you mean, what can the righteous do? In the Lord, I take refuge. The Lord is in his temple. The Lord observes, he sees, and he judges. And the righteous will see him. I know I've mentioned this before, and I want to mention it here again. David makes it pretty black and white, doesn't he? You're either righteous or wicked. There's either one camp or the other. There's no kind of in-between righteous or sort of wicked. You're either righteous before God or you're wicked before God. And the reason it's so black and white is because it's not based on our works alone. We are wicked by our works but we stand righteous through refuge in Jesus and his work. Those who trust in him, that is, David says, take refuge, are righteous through faith. The righteousness of Christ is our righteousness. And so we can say along with David, he loves righteousness, gives it to us. The upright will view his face. The same word that is used for God examines the children of men is used for the righteous, those who take refuge in the Lord, will examine, will see God's face. The Son of God rose again from death. And he has promised that you, no matter what comes your way, what evil might attack or assail you, you will see God's face. And though it might seem like the devil is uprooting the foundations of this world and overturning all the things that hold things together, God will judge this world and completely overturn this world. And it is only those who take refuge in him who will stand as he examines the heart and he will see the righteousness of Christ. And you, you who trust in him, you will see the face of God in Jesus, our Savior, our living God. And so when it said, I never thought I'd say this. Can you picture us saying, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to give in or give up, but I will see God. In faith, you will see God's face. 
God give you strength to take refuge always in him who sits on his throne, who judges this world, and who brings you to glorious light out of the darkness. There'll be no more arrows of attack, there'll be no more enemy, but forever the face of God in Christ and glory everlasting, joining with David and with all the saints.